Chapter One of Against Odds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Against Odds by Lawrence L. Lynch. Chapter One Chicago Gets My Money. Eureka! It was I, Carl Masters, of the Secret Service, so-called, who uttered this exclamation, although not a person of the exclamatory school. And small wonder, for I was standing beneath the dome of the administration building, and I had but that hour arrived at the World's Fair. I was not there as a sightseer, not on pleasure bent, and even those first moments of arrival I knew well were not to be wasted. I had come hither straight from the terminal station, seeking this stately keystone to the great fair, not to steep my senses and fill my eyes with beauty in myriad forms, but to seek out the great man whose masterful hand was to create for me the passport which was to be my open sesame to all within this fair white city's walls. But when I stood beneath that lofty double dome and looked about me, I forgot all but the beauty all around, and gazed upon the noble rotunda through the western entrance where earth majestic but untamed a masterpiece of giant statuary guards one massive pillar and the same earth yet not the same conquered yet conquering adds her beauty to the strength of the column opposite to the east where neptune sports classic as of old around about the octagonal interior with its splendid arches, its frescoes and gilding, its medallions and plates of bronze, wherein gleamed, golden and fair, the names of the world's greatest countries at its gilded panels, supported by winged figures, and bearing engraven upon each shining surface the record of some great event, its medallions and graceful groups, allegorical or symbolic, all mounting high and higher, until illuminated by the opal-like circle of light at the summit dodge's great picture crowns the whole with its circling procession of arts and sciences gods and muses nymphs and graces and apollos radiant in the midst small wonder that forgetting all but the scene before me my lips shot out the single word eureka and smaller wonder that having vented my admiration in sound I became aware of the fact at once and remembered not only who I was but what I was and why I was there it was scarcely 10 a.m. but there were people all about me and my exclamation caused more than one eye inquiring amused cynical or simply stupid to turn toward me where I stood near the center of the great rotunda big thing ain't it I turned my head a little rattled at the notice I had thus brought upon myself and saw standing close beside me a man whose garb no less than his nasal utterance proclaimed him a Yankee and a son of the soil I had seen him upon my entrance standing beneath the dome with his head thrown back at a painful angle in an effort to read one of the brazen plates above him one hand tightly grasping a half inflated umbrella long past its palmy days and the other fiercely gripped about the handle of a shawl strap drawn tight around a handleless basket 
by no means small and bristling at the top with knobby protuberances which told but too plainly of the luncheon under the pictorial newspaper tied down with abundant lashings of blue shaker yarn big thing indeed evidently my burst of enthusiasm had brought upon me this overture no doubt meant to pave the way to further conversation and i answered after a single quick glance at my neighbour as blandly as our sin himself yes sir resumed the man with a brisk nod it's a big thing when twas first talked up i was a good deal sot on having it in new york state i'd been there you see twenty years ago on my wedding trip i was living in pennsylvania then but law new york couldn't a done this here no sir she couldn't chicago gets my nunny not that i got much on it with a nervous start and a shrugging movement as if he were trying to draw in his pockets and obliterate all traces of them i don't never believe in carrying money to such places then as if anxious to get away from a dangerous subject he asked been here long stranger about half an hour mm, i've done better than that been here two whole hours come in on one of them village grove cable cars and come plumb through middleway pleasance mm. but there's some them foreign fellows only it seems to me there ain't no need of so many of them niggers of all shades dressed up like calathumpians on fourth of july and standing round in everybody's way i was not there to impart information and i let the honest soul babble on he had brawny shoulders and an ingenuous face but i felt sure he had brought with him more money than was wise or needful and that he would come to grief if he continued to deny the possession of money with his tell-tale face flatly contradicting his words but i was now recalled to myself and my own affairs and dropping a few politely meaningless words i left my first acquaintance and made my way toward the pavilion at the corner where i had been told i should find the man in authority whom i sought putting my question to a guard in the ante-room i was told that the man in authority was absent would be absent two hours perhaps and not much loath to pass a little time in that splendid rotunda stood gazing about the beautiful court of honour with its fountains statues glittering and fair facades rippling lagoons and snowy and superb peristyle statue crowned and gleaming with blue lake michigan sun-kissed and breeze-tossed stretching away to the horizon in pulsating perspective fairer than any dream it looked that fair may day with justice golden and glorious rising from out the waves splendid as a sun goddess and dominating all the rest as i turned away having looked and looked again I saw my first white city acquaintance seated upon a settle in the shadow of one of the mammoth arches His basket between his knees and his umbrella between his two clasped hands He was talking just as amiably and frankly as before and this time he had for audience a dapper man with a thin face That might have been old or young and which I disliked at sight He was exceedingly well dressed. He looked very respectable, but he also looked smug and sophisticated too sophisticated i thought to be really so well entertained as he seemed to be with my rustic friend's confidences for a few moments i watched the two to the exclusion of the golden justice the peristyle everything and then the settle being long and the two being its sole occupants i moved around going in and out unobserved among the crowd and seated myself upon the end of the bench 
unseen by my friend who sat with his broad shoulders and back squarely toward me and affording an ample screen between myself and his companion i have wondered since just what actuated me to do what i did but i only recall now a vague remembrance of a small black book seen in memory as in a vision and a fluttering page which seemed to blazon forth the question am i my brother's keeper the book it was buried in dead hands long ago and the words they had not been printed in the book more indelibly than upon my memory why should the sight of this homely honest rustic bring back these things i did not know but i seated myself in the shelter of his broad back and affected to be absorbed in a notebook and the bronzed plates upon the walls about me keeping meanwhile with one ear sufficiently close note upon their conversation and letting my mind wander what a strange scene out upon the lagoon swift electric launches swept by and gondolas slower but graceful and picturesque glided to and fro their lithe boatmen swaying to the deep swaying to the sweep of the single oar why did the sharp-eyed little woman opposite on the bench in the shadow of the goddess of air eye me so keenly and so long dividing her attention in fact between myself and a young mother with two tired children scarce more than infants both yonder went two turks bearing between them swaying betwixt two long poles a genuine turkish palanquin and crying hi hi to those who obstructed their direct line of march where was the man of authority i looked at my watch and my thoughts came back to myself and my own affairs an hour and a half to wait i wonder if brainerd is on the ground and what he will say of our joint undertaking when we meet for you can by no means establish a precedent by which to judge of brainerd's thoughts and deeds to come how will our work prosper shall we find it easy and shall we succeed for dave brainerd and i both professional detectives man-hunters if you will were sent to this white city on a twofold mission it was not our first work together and at first we did not enter into it with enthusiasm masters brainerd our chief said to us one morning they are going to want a lot of good men at that world's fair i think i'd better put you both on the list and this was all that was said then but when we were out of his presence dave exploded wants to send us to watch little boys look after ladies kerchiefs and hunt up lost babies does he he began in a fume it's not meself that'll do it you hear masters i'll go like the biggest gentleman of all or like the sleuth i am but no child rescuing and kick copping for me let this honour give us with a theatrical gesture a foeman worthy of our steel nothing came of this whimsical tirade and a week had passed before the chief spoke again upon the subject then we were both called into his private office and he said boys we have just found out to a certainty that greenback bob and his pals are going to operate at the world's fair i've already promised them more good men than i like to spare but we can't let bob and his crowd slip i did not really mean to send you either of you with the others but this is something worth while i should say broke in dave who was no respecter of persons unless perhaps it might have been of dave brainerd do you mean to tell us cap that the dandy frenchman is in it he's very much in it he crossed from calais 
on the last boat in hot haste and i'm much mistaken if the whole gang is not already on its way to the white city although he only reached this side the night before last and there's another party who may give us some trouble we don't know him but he is said to be an all-round bad one just come over from calais with this delbras i wish i could give you even a description of him greenback bob was a counterfeiter or so it was believed for he was so bold so shrewd and so generally successful that no one as yet had been able to entangle him in the meshes of the law though samples of what was believed to be his handiwork had been passed from hand to hand and travelled far before they had been challenged and their journeys summarily ended in the cabinet of our chief bob was known to be a gambler too and more than once had he been watched and shadowed because of some ill deed connected with his name we had seen his face and his picture adorned the rogues gallery delbras however was likely to give us some trouble we had seen him it is true but it was only a fleeting glimpse with the possibility that he was at the moment cleverly disguised of delbras we knew first that he was and had been for years the occasional partner or confederate of the counterfeiter and presumably a counterfeiter also next that he was set down in the records of the london police as dangerous and last that he had crossed the ocean leaving paris which had grown too hot to hold him and was avowedly en route for the world's fair it was thought upon mischief intent this last item came to our chief direct from the french police together with the information that two or three diamond robberies which had occurred in the french capital during the previous winter were laid at his door although it had been thus far impossible to bring the thefts home to him concerning greenback bob the fellow was known to us by no other name we felt quite sanguine we had seen him we had his photograph and his full description according to the bertillon system and once seen he would hardly be lost to sight again or so we flattered ourselves delbras we must identify through bob or as best we could and the third member of the gang well a great deal must be left to chance as usual this much we knew of delbras he was handsome educated familiar with the ways of good society and not an easy bird to catch this from the french police commissaire a pinchback gentleman eh had been dave brainerd's scornful comment upon hearing this the worst set to deal with i'd rather tackle a straight out and outer any day recalling this speech of dave's brought my thought back to the old question where was he and then the dialogue at my elbow aroused my flagging attention and brought it back to my rustic acquaintance and the smug personage at his side well now i hadn't thought of that but now to mention it was a good idea and they wouldn't change it to the eating house not there the smug man's tones were low and cautious pardon me but don't speak too loud my friend the mere mention of money is likely to attract some sharper to you no they refused me there you see i anticipated some difficulty inside the gates so i had tried just before entering but the man at the desk refused and very curtly too i wanted to enter at once in order to meet half a dozen young men from my town who are sort of under my care orphans not quite they belong to my bible class you see mr smug explained modestly and i had promised to be at the terminal station in case they arrived by the early train where from d'ye say 
with awakening interest i'm a sunday school teacher myself when i'm to hum indeed it's a very interesting and useful work laboring for souls ah they come from marshall in iowa don't say why i but they did not arrive their train had been delayed but as i was about to tell you if i had not chanced to have in my possession a roll of bills put in my care by the father of one of the younger lads i might have been kept outside for some time longer how's that i had been a little puzzled at this dialogue and was losing my interest somewhat when it reached this point and i pricked up my ears anew while i continued to copy inscriptions and jot down memoranda it seemed almost like confessing to a breach of trust but there seemed no other way and so stepping to one side i took out the package of money belonging to my young friend i had counted it in his father's presence and i knew that it contained on the very outside of the roll a two-dollar bill i took this and procured my ticket of course i shall explain to him and replace it at once in course but you was a saying i began to tell you how i learned where to go to get money changed i had entered you must know at the cottage grove gate opening upon midway and walking toward the east i soon met a guard he had drawn a cigar from his pocket while speaking and he now turned toward me i had lighted a weed upon seating myself near them and as he uttered a polite pardon me sir i smoked calmly on while i copied upon a fresh page of my notebook the legend jenner discovered the principle of vaccination in seventeen ninety six putting an elaborate final flourish after the date sir your pardon may i trouble you for a light a light touch of his hand accompanied the words and i turned slowly favoured him with a look of as well-managed stupidity and inquiry as i could muster drew from my pocket a little ear-tube and adjusting it to my right ear said hey again the little fellow made known his want and then apparently convinced that i had not been a listener he resumed somewhat hurriedly i thought as i was saying i met a guard and asked him where to go to get a bill exchanged he mentioned one or two places a long way off and then happening to think of the arrangement made for the accommodation of foreigners he courteously directed me to one of the agents quite near at hand he allowed a big puff of smoke to escape his lips very slowly and added as if it were the final word those agencies for home and foreign exchange are a great convenience for travellers what are they demanded the rustic never heard on em really why the administration has arranged a system of agencies which are supplied with a certain sum in small banknotes greenbacks which they are authorized to exchange for foreign currency and for the convenience of midway pleasance one of these agents is established in midway near the turkish village one may know him by a small blue badge with a silver stamp in the form of a half-dollar souvenir upon his coat oh he proved very affable the guard assured me i would find him so and as the other agencies were so far away i took advantage of his good nature and instead of exchanging ten dollars i got him to put a hundred dollar bill into fifty crisp new two dollar bills fresh like all this exchange money from the government treasury a part in fact of that great output of two dollar greenbacks issued by the government at the same time as the souvenir coins as you no doubt remember no the rustic did not remember but neither did he doubt he was full of exclamations of wonder and admiration at the workings of so wonderful and generous a government 
and then came the climax would mr smug direct him to this affable agent upon midway etc as i was saying at first i don't lug much money around with me to such places as this here but what little i got ain't quite divided up enough to be handy i don't mind getting a fifty into new government greenbacks myself my wife and me are counting on staying in here a considerable of a spell and small change is handiest it's positively necessary declared smug getting up quickly i'll show you the place and the man and then i must be looking for my young men again i had not looked for this conclusion but as the rustic arose i closed my notebook and made ready to follow them i was all agog to see this amiable dealer in brand new government notes as the countryman turned toward his guide the small sharp-faced woman who had eyed us so long and often from her bench almost opposite arose and with a movement suggestive of steel springs and made her way toward us waving her umbrella to attract attention i moved rapidly aside in anticipation of the sweeping gesture of arm and umbrella which dislodged a tall man's hat and sent it rolling to the feet of a frisky maiden from whence it was rescued by smug who restored it with a placating word and so averted an unpleasantness meanwhile the woman had reached her husband's side and a few quick words had passed between the two then a gesture and another word or two evidently meant for an introduction brought the smug stranger to her notice and the three turned their faces towards the pleasance but not until i had heard her say to her better half as she clung to his arm while smug opened the way ahead i tell you he's a confidence man and i know it i've been a-watchin him following the three at a little distance and discreetly i smiled at the woman's rustic cleverness and never did man smile more mistakenly End of chapter one